That's what we're talking about today, who you and I are. But in terms of two things, who you've been so far, or who I've been so far, and who you or I can choose to be starting now, are the things that you and I can change. You see, who you've been is complicated, and you really have no control over it, because you can't go back in time and change it. But you can grow. There's a sermon I did a few weeks ago. It's about the parable of the soils. And we talked in that sermon about how we grow, how God sees us growing. And in that day, if you were here in person, I passed out seeds to the children in the church, in the congregation. And they grew the seeds and took some pictures. And I'm going to show you a couple of those pictures right now. They've been sending the slides in. And I just want to thank the kids who have sent them in to me. It's super fun to get your emails. And if you're out there and you've done that and you want to send me a picture, that would be amazing. I'm going to share them in my email this week. I'm going to share them here. It's just fun to see what the kids are up to. Be sure that we're praying for the children of our church. We have amazing kids in this church. But now together, not just the children, all of us together, let's choose to grow today. And to grow, it's important to acknowledge who you've been. That's true. It's important to deal with it. But, but, who you've been doesn't need to determine who you are today or who you will become. Today you have an option. Today you can choose. Have you ever gone somewhere where you didn't know anyone at all, where, where, where no one knew your past, no one had any preconceived notions of who you are. Have you ever been somewhere like that? And I, I, I love that, actually. I love being places where no one knows me. I just have fun with it. So uh, for me, like uh, you might think otherwise because you, you might see me here on a screen or you might visit a church and think I'm outgoing because I'm on a stage a lot, but I'm actually not. I'm more of a quiet person. I'm not super outgoing. So sometimes when I'm away, like on vacation or whatever, I just choose to be outgoing. I talk to everyone. Everyone I go to meet at the store, if I'm on a restaurant everywhere. I just talk to them just to just to have fun, just to be different, just to be goofy once in a while. Um, on, on vacation, I I dread that anyone will even ask me if I'm a pastor. Instead, I'd rather not, not have them know that at all. And not because I want to do anything super super screwy or whatever and, and that people would judge, but just as soon as they know, right? Like if you're talking to someone and they find out, they ask your job and I say pastor, that pretty much ends the conversation all the time because generally people don't love hanging out with pastors so much. So I love to, to, to be more anonymous when I'm gone. Or you might even think about dancing. Like if I'm dancing at a thing here in Ripon, you know, it's going to be kind of slow and just moving a little bit, not making a big spectacle of myself. But if I'm out somewhere, like gone out of state, I'm going to bust a move, right? It's just going to be fun because you're never going to see those people again. Who cares? It's a blast. So for me, it's fun in, in those moments because you get to choose. You get to choose like who you want to be in that moment. And it's just kind of fun. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. You don't have to wait to be someplace where you can be anonymous. You can choose different actions starting now. You don't have to wait. And you don't have to be who everyone else expects you to be either. You can be who God wants you to be. There's a verse all about that in the book of Romans. This is what it says. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Isn't that promise I just read from Romans what you really want in life? Isn't that what you want, a better life, to know God's will for you specifically? That's what today's all about. It's about the opportunity you have to choose an identity for yourself from between who you used to be, who you are right now, 
and who God says you can really be, the potential best you. Here at RCC, we've been in this series all about the parables. We've been studying parables every week. And essentially, if this is your first time, parables are, are just stories Jesus told for a purpose. He uses stories to teach. And, and they're amazing. They've been saved all throughout history. There's so much we can learn from the parables. And, and we're, almost, we're almost finished with this series. And I think it's been tremendous. Today, we're going to talk about the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And you have a task. You have a task today. Here it is. Here's your task. Try to see a bit of yourself in the two people that I'm going to talk about. See their ugly parts and think about your own. See the rawness of who they are. See their hopes and see their dreams and then consider your own. From their identities, you can explore your own and then hopefully see more clearly who God desires you to be, your best you. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? If so, let's dive in. In this story, before we get into it, what we find is, is we're, we're, we're deep into Jesus' ministry. It's all the way in Luke chapter 18, and we're deep into Jesus' ministry, and Jesus had been teaching all over the place to all different groups of people. And then we find him in another teaching situation here in Luke 18, verse 9. It says, Then Jesus told this story, or parable, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. So who's Jesus, who's Jesus speaking to here in Luke? It's church people. It's the church people of the time. And nowadays, that's you and me. Like, here you are, right? Like, you're, you're, you're listening to a sermon right now. You and I are more like church people. But the story that Jesus told isn't just for them. It's not for the people just in, in, the, in the Bible here. It's for us. God saved this story for a couple thousand years for us. It's not for them. It's for us. So we have to look for ourselves in the story. And Jesus is about to compare us, our, our, our church people, to non-church people. This is important. You see, Jesus had just taught his followers in this situation how important it is to pray. And then he goes on by exposing the identity of two very different people who did go ahead and choose to pray. Essentially, he describes the type of prayer God's looking for by comparing a church guy's prayer to a messed up guy's prayer. So if we continue in Luke, back in chapter 18, verse 10, this is what Jesus said. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector despised despised that's strong that's strong despised that's a strong word but then tax collectors really were despised you're going to see they were they were despised more than we despise taxes now because they were dishonest they didn't they didn't just collect your taxes they collected more and kept some from themselves the, the people hated the tax collectors and I tried to think about it this week, like who's despised now, right? And, and I, I have maybe, maybe terrorists come to mind or, or, or others that have been really bad in history, maybe, right? And you probably have your own. But not you, right? Not me. Probably not. We, we have it pretty much together. We're not despised, are we? I don't, I don't think. But would you ever thank God for not being despised? Would you? Because that's what happens in the story. The church person, the church person in Jesus' story did just that. Listen to this. It's back in Luke 18, verses 11 and 12. This is what it says. The Pharisee, the church person, stood by himself and prayed this prayer. 
I thank you, God, that I'm not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. That was the worst one. He lists off all these people, and then he points out the tax collector is the worst one of all. That's what the church person did. Do you ever compare yourself to others? To the despised people of today, possibly? You might want to be careful with that, because you could be wrong. This guy was. He, he thought he was oh so good, but he was oh so wrong. And you're about to see just how wrong he is as Jesus compares him to the despised tax collector. If we continue in the story in verse 13, it says, Jesus says, But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. You see, the Pharisee, he seems pompous, and we get annoyed with him, or at least I do. Yet I feel, and maybe you do too, for the tax collector, and, and we root for him. But how much of what we typically do day in and day out falls in the Pharisee category and not the tax collector? You see, we, we, may, we may cheer for the tax collector, but we may live like the Pharisee. We're constantly trying to prove ourselves to everyone around us, including ourselves. We want to be liked and approved of and outwardly proper. But that's not what God wants. Do you, do you know what God wants? Do you know what God wants right now more than anything from you right now? That's the reason of the story. He wants the same thing he saw in the tax collector. Humility. Humility. Not the, woe is me, I'm so bad, so everyone knows how humble you are kind of humility. No, that, that, that's, not, that's not it. God wants the kind of humility where you get real small before a loving and powerful God and acknowledge him, not yourself. And then here's what happens when you do that. It's in the book of James. It's James chapter 4, verse 10. This is what happens when you do that. When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will lift you up and give you honor. You say to God, I, I don't deserve your grace, but you still give it. You give me mercy. Thank you. God's not looking for your laundry list of reasons why you're such a good person. He's looking for a simple and sincere acknowledgement that you're not all that, but that you're grateful he is. He wants you to find your identity before him as a follower of Jesus. And if you do, he gives you honor. You don't earn that yourself. You will see exactly that as, as Jesus finishes this story in Luke chapter 18. It's verse 14. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will will be exalted. Is it better to humble yourself or be humbled? I, I, I've been humbled too many times, too many times in life. And, and usually they're embarrassing, right? There was this time where, it's years ago, where I'd won this, this really big fishing tournament, and I was just the one thing I wanted to win, and I was writing articles for fishing magazines and stuff, and I thought so highly of myself. And the next tournament I had after this giant win, I was paired up with, he wasn't my partner, but he was in my boat. I was paired up with this older gentleman, this retired gentleman. And he was so effusive. He just, he just 
built me up. He was, he was, he was so effusive. Uh, he just kept telling me how he's so excited to fish with me, and he couldn't believe he got to fish with me. I just won this giant tournament and got all these sponsors and magazines. He was so excited. He was so excited, and I just ate it up. I, I just ate it up. I was, I, I was feeling like a big shot. Well, the, the tournament starts out in like one of my very first casts of the morning. Um, I had this giant lure on, and, and as I reached back and cast and, and threw the lure forward, I hit myself in the back of the head with the lure. And then it, the hooks went through my ear, and then the lure you know, went out there. Well, I had this giant lump on my head, and my ear bled like crazy. My, my whole shirt was blood everywhere. It, it was so embarrassing. And I just kind of like laughed it off, but it hurt so much. I just didn't want to make it look like it hurt. And then all day, it, it was horrible. It was just one of those days where I just couldn't figure anything out. I just couldn't catch anything. And this man started out so effusive, but then as it's an eight-hour tournament, as the day went on, he wasn't so much. Instead, he just started saying, like, I can't believe you ever won. How did you ever? Who would, who would hook their own ear? He just, he just kept going on the whole time. It just made it worse, right? He just, like, how, how did you ever win? And how come you can't find any fish today? I thought for sure this was going to be the best fishing day of my life. And I thought for sure you knew what you were doing. He just, he had, he had no filter at all. It was horrible. Now, I, I should have told him. Right? I, I, I should have told him, right? You're, you're far better off humbling yourself. I should have told him because before that day, I had practiced on that lake for two days, two whole days, 16 hours, and didn't catch a single fish. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it. I just hoped it wouldn't be, right? I hoped he wouldn't see it. But instead, I was humbled and it was embarrassing. We got back to the weigh-in afterwards and he was telling everyone, I can't believe this guy. He thought he was such a big shot. And he couldn't catch anything. I, my day's ruined. He, he just went on and on. It was so humbling. And... and it wasn't how I wanted to see myself. But that's me. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? And, and you know, like sometimes we can take out a mirror and look at ourselves, right? Like I borrowed this from, from Natasha and I don't know what this is, like a compact or some, some, some makeup thing. I can't remember what she told me. I think it's a Terra kit pro to go. And there's all these colors in here and stuff. Like, hmm. I don't know what you could do. I don't really know what you could do with this. And then it's so small. Like, do you hold it out here? Do you look close? I don't know. I don't know. It's a little embarrassing, possibly. But when you look in a mirror like this, how's your vision? How's your vision? When you look in a mirror, how's your vision? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you see yourself as God sees you? That's the question. Or do you need to improve your vision? Do you need maybe some glasses to see yourself better? Or maybe you should squint, right? Like that works. I've been wearing glasses my whole life. Sometimes I have to squint. Or sometimes, if I don't have my glasses on, you can, you can ball up your finger like this and look through the hole, and it actually helps. It's like squinting. And so if the, the, the font is real small or something, that helps. You can see stuff. You should try it. Or you can even do that with your kids. You may not know this. This is a fun thing. I learned it years ago. When your kids get older and every once in a while you wish they were little again, you know, for all that fun stuff when they're so little. I know when they're little, you just wish they'd grow up. But when they're old, you wish they were little. But if, if like, they're sleeping or just sitting there quietly, you can, you can, like, make a little hole in your finger and look through it. And if you just get their face in there, if you block out everything else with your hand, you only see the center of their face, it, it looks like they're three or four again, even if they're teenagers. It's awesome. So try it the next time you're wishing your kids were little. Your vision needs an adjustment. Your vision needs an adjustment. Don't look at yourself and compare to others. Look through God's lens. His humbling lens is right here in the book of Luke. And God even does the finger trick with us too. That's how God looks at us. He doesn't see all, 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 all the stuff. 
He sees the purity in you, the goodness in you, and all he needs from you is just to admit that you need him, to be humble, that you're not all that. That's what God wants to see in you. That, that's all. God loves you. God loves you. So, when you consider your relationship with God and, and other people, are you more like the Pharisee or are you more like the tax collector? In a moment, when I'm done, my prayer for us will be that we can be humble like the tax collector. But first, I don't know if you know this or not, but the tax collector is actually a pretty great picture of the people here at RCC. Eighteen and a half years ago, we started with just a few people who were basically turned off by church, but not turned off by God. And we vowed together to take God seriously, but not ourselves. Not ourselves seriously, just God seriously. In other words, RCC was filled with a bunch of people who were turned off by Pharisees and felt a lot like tax collectors. But here's the deal. This is the thing that can happen at, at, at churches as they age. It happens all over the place, not just here. A bunch of tax collectors, if given enough time, can start to act like Pharisees. They can start to be way more concerned with, with how they're different from the outsiders than they are with actually inviting and helping other people like Jesus does and like Jesus expects us to do. Look at this. I, I, have, I have another verse for you that's similar to the one that we began with today. It's in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is, again, talking about Pharisees and, and, and others who are sinning. And he says, he says this, I assure you, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the way to life, and you didn't believe him. And while tax collectors and prostitutes did, and even when you saw this happening, you refused to turn from your sins and believe him. Here's what's key. There's a key word in there for you. It's sometimes tough, right? Not here. It's not tough to understand what Jesus is going for here. The key word is your. The key word is your sins. These are church people struggling, judging others, and Jesus reminds them they're way off base. They're supposed to be thinking about their own sins, not others. Humble people, mature Christians, focus on their own faults. Pharisees? Focus on others. I mentioned at the beginning that we've been struggling with some things here at church. That's one of them. We, we have some Pharisee stuff kind of going on where people are just looking at others and judging them and, and gossiping about them. And, and, it, and it really came to a point for me this week. I heard this week that Pastor Aaron resigned unhappily from RCC. That's just nuts. It's nuts. I love Aaron. I've known him since he's a kid. He worked here for like eight years. I know his parents so well. We have an amazing relationship. Aaron didn't resign here unhappily. Aaron trained here for years and went out and planted a daughter church of RCC. And we talk all the time. I don't know how something like that could have got started. It's evil. It's just evil. Why would someone say something like that? There's zero truth in it. Now, you and I, we hear things like this, so I have some advice for you. When you hear something like that, a gossip kind of thing, ask yourself some questions. First of all, ask yourself this. Of the person telling you, what's their intent? Like, why are they telling you this? That'll determine a lot right there. Why are they even telling you? Right, because like, what could you do about it? How about this? Ask yourself this. Does the information you're hearing line up with your own experience? 
right? Like the experience you have with others or whatever it might be. Does what you're hearing like fit or does it not fit? Because that can be telling. You can ask yourself, how could this conversation help? Like this person's telling me this, but like, how could it help anything? Because Jesus talks about in scripture, wolves in sheep's clothing. Sometimes people can, can look like a, a gentle sheep on the outside, but on the inside, they, they're up to some bad stuff. So if, if there's not good intent, if this conversation can't help, you might consider that this person has some bad intent. Or you could ask yourself, if you do care about it, what would really help? Because talking to them about it isn't going to help anything, right? What would really help? So like in this example, you could, you could call Aaron, you could call me, you could, you could find out in two seconds how things are going. That would really help. That's what you could do. Also, in the, in the same passage where, where Jesus talks about wolves in sheep's clothing, he talks about judging a tree by its fruit. It's in Matthew chapter 7. You should read it. You can judge a tree by its fruit. So, like, for RCC, we have fruit. We, we have fruit from years of ministry here. Centerpoint Church in Fond du Lac is doing amazing. Our daughter church, Pastor Aaron, you should go check it out. I love it. It's doing amazing. Centerpoint already has fruit, and they're not even a year old. But we've got to be careful. You've got to be careful when you hear this stuff. If we're not careful, we could start to become a church of Pharisees instead of a church of tax collectors. We never want to be that Pharisee church. We always want to be a place that humbles itself, ourself, myself. As I was writing it this week, this, this will sound nuts to you, I'm sure, but as I was writing the sermon this week, I was listening to like 80s rock. I know, 80s rock, you might not like it, but I love it. So I was listening, I was clicking through some songs, and I listened to the song by the band Styx, and the name of the song is Renegade. If you don't know it, you should just listen to it. Pull up Spotify, listen to the Styx Renegade song, and at three minutes in or so, something happens. And, and back in the old days, you had these giant headphones on, right? Because the music was so loud, no one else wanted to hear it at home, right? So you have these giant headphones on, I would crank it super loud. And it was fun, because in this song, it blew my mind. At three minutes in, there's this thing where the guy's drumming, and it sounds if you have headphones on, like the drums go through your head. It starts in this year and it finishes in this year. It blew my mind back then. It still kind of does, actually. It blew my mind. I didn't think that was possible. The first time I ever heard it, I was like, what is going on? What? This is impossible. How did they get the drums from one ear to the other? It was amazing. I had no clue that was possible in music. We see these things in life all the time. And when we find out what's possible, it changes things, whether it's music or you could say Michael Jordan showed so many others what's possible. There's so many other tremendous basketball players. As they looked at him and saw what he could do, then they learned to do it. Or, or like the four-minute mile, right? Like that was the impossible thing. No one could run a mile in four minutes. And now tons of people have because they realized it was possible. In a church, any good church, it doesn't matter here, Centerpoint, lots of other good churches, we've learned what's possible. Changed lives are possible at a good church. Amazing ministry is possible at a good church, whether it's feeding an entire community through a food pantry or doing missions work or starting other churches or a whole bunch of other things. We know what's possible in a good church. We know what's possible when we remain humble and just do what Jesus tells us to do. So here at RCC, we will stand week after week, year after year, and try to teach just like Jesus. We will try together to learn to be more like Jesus, yet humble enough to invite others. Because when you invite other people, what you're really saying is, I need this myself, and maybe you do too. That's true non-Pharisee humility. And that's you sharing that non-Pharisee humility with the people you care about. You're saying in, you, in your own way, I need God in my life. 
He helps me find my identity, and he helps me be the best I can be, and he can help you too. You know, there's, there's so many negatives in, in this COVID life we've lived for about a year now. There just are. Even coming to church, right? Like, maybe you can't come because you're worried about all the reasons of the COVID stuff, and I understand that completely. But there's a positive with COVID when it comes to church. It's this. So much of ministry, as you're experiencing right now, has moved online. And it's much easier to invite someone to something online than it is to come to a church building. It's not nearly as scary for them. So we have a special opportunity right now. You have the opportunity to invite others online, and I challenge you to do that. If you see anything from this church, whether it's a sermon or something on Facebook, uh, or one of our podcasts, or so many different things we do, if you see something online and you see it's valuable, be humble enough to invite others. Tell your friends, tell your family members, tell your coworkers, this is good for me, it's helped me. And, and here, maybe you'd like it too. And you just share a link. I challenge you to do that. Because as we share with others, as we live our lives authentically, not like Pharisees, authentically and love others, just like God tells us to, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless. And you can be part of that. All you have to do is remember that you, you and I, we're tax collectors. And we need to be humble. But that God is perfect. And it's the right thing to do for us to share our belief in him with others. So as I close, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for RCC that I remain humble and our church remains humble. I'd like you to join me in that. You could pray in your own way. about You know what your life is, just like I know mine. You could pray in your own way. Where do you need to be humble? And, and how much do you care about this church? You could pray for this church that we remain humble and that we're still 18 and a half years in reaching and helping people just like we did from day one. So I invite you to pray with me right now. Dear Lord, thank you for this reminder in Scripture, straight from you, Jesus, that it isn't about us being perfect or impressing others. It's simply about us being humble and being impressed by you. Lord, we are. We are impressed by you. So help us remember that day by day. Help us to stay humble. Help us to recognize that you're perfect and we're not and that that's okay. Help us, Lord, to share our belief in you with others by inviting them each in our own way. Thank you for this opportunity we have week after week to get to know you better. It's our intention to do that so that we can love you more and love others more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought about the impact your giving makes? Through giving, the love of Jesus continues to spread. Through giving, the kingdom of God continues to expand and hungry people are fed. And through giving, we worship our creator and we fulfill our mission, both here in Ripon and around the world. If you want to worship God with your money, you can do so by going to rccsunday.com or you can drop off a check right here at our downtown location. There's a mail slot in the front door. Just drop it in there. It is a pleasure to be on this mission with you.